Welcome to Digital Health Talks. Each week, we meet with the healthcare leaders making a measurable difference in equity, access, and quality. Hear about what tech is worth investing in and what isn't as we focus on the innovations that deliver. Join me, Megan Antonelli, and my friend, Shahid Shah, for our weekly No BS Deep Dives into what's really making an impact in healthcare. Welcome to a roadmap for driving intelligent automation at scale in healthcare. I'm Yan Chow, the global healthcare lead for Automation Anywhere. I practiced medicine for 32 years at Kaiser Permanente, the last eight years serving as the National Director for Innovation and Advanced Technology. One of my jobs was to understand the impact of new technology on a massive healthcare enterprise. And then later, I worked with a federal IT consulting firm to bring innovations to the VA and the DOD. This was followed by two and a half years at Amgen, a large biotech company as the head of digital medicine, working on virtual trials, wearable sensors, and the like. I then joined Automation Anywhere as a healthcare lead about two and a half years ago. Today, our topic is how to scale uh, intelligent automation and extend its benefits across an enterprise. Why is this topic important? The pandemic, which highlighted a lot of healthcare's deficiencies, motivated many healthcare systems to start using RPA or robotic process automation, a technology that can automate manual user processes. We now have intelligent RPA, which incorporates AI technologies like natural language processing and machine learning. And the benefits are significant increases in speed, efficiency, accuracy, and worker productivity. Healthcare really is full of opportunities. The benefits could apply across business units. Yet many organizations we found uh, going beyond five to 10 automations can be challenging. My colleague, Frank Kelly, and I will discuss why that is, and we'll give you some strategic recommendations on how to extend the benefits of automation more broadly across your enterprise. Frank, why don't you tell our audience a bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Frank Kelly. I'm the uh, Vice President of Transformation Architecture here at Automation Anywhere. What that means is I'm basically the field CTO for our technology, so I work with our existing customers on you know, uh, what are some of the best practices to employ to allow you to scale faster and get better business outcomes? And I also work with our prospects to help them understand what the value is there and help them adopt the technology sooner. My background is for the six years prior to joining Automation Anywhere, I built and ran uh, the RPA program first at EMC prior to uh, Dell Technologies buying us and then at Dell Technologies. So I spent two and a half years inside the business in the shared services organization. That's where we started it, right? Where we centralized common functions and through economies of scale, we wanted to reduce costs to the business. But we wanted to employ a different strategy there where a lot of this work was uh, non-cognitive type swivel chair type work. We wanted to see how we could automate that without having to go through a traditional automation type request with the IT team. And then the, uh, the three and a half years after that, uh, the program had gotten so big that the three and a half years after that, I ended up working in the um, Dell Digital Space, which was the IT space, reporting to the chief technology officer there. And uh, at that point, I was running the automation product team. So I had tools. In addition, to RPA had some orchestration tools, some API management, some AI tools, uh, things like that. So really excited to be here with you folks today to, to share our, our experience around you know, what people are doing to drive intelligent automation into their businesses. Okay. So back to Dr. Chow. So Dr. Chow, you're in healthcare. So what does scaling intelligent automation mean to you in the healthcare space? 
Well, Frank, there are a number of factors driving the need to scale automation across the healthcare enterprise. I think the first thing I, I think about is the explosion in data that includes medical records and remote sensor data, regulations, insurer requirements, and so many more things. This means that there's more administrative burden across all business functions. Second, uh, it looks like the healthcare ecosystem is becoming increasingly complex. There are new business models, value-driven payment technologies like AI that will also increase the data processing burden. And third, healthcare has suffered from a severe shortage of physicians, nurses, and other workers that will get worse in the next 10 years, uh, not even mentioning COVID. Healthcare staff, I think, should not be doing things that machines can do better. They should focus on patient care and problems that require their expertise and judgment. So when you look across the enterprise and healthcare, there are many opportunities for um, automation that includes the revenue cycle, prior authorization, denials, HR, finance have been very strong, operations, contact center, supply chain, credentialing, many, many areas. Intelligent automation can process unstructured data, and many of these need to integrate with the electronic health record. So the big news is that we have developed a new automation that leverages the HO7 Fire API for Epic. And I think this will be a game changer for broader data exchange in healthcare providers that will lead to better patient care. I'll give you a few examples of how automation can be applied in different business functions. Revenue cycle management is probably one of our most popular use cases. We were helping a leading RCM services provider use our platform to process over, I think it was 15 million transactions a year in EOB posting, payment posting, prior authorization, patient document requests, and so on achieving, I believe it was 25 to 80% FTE cost savings, cycle time reductions of 40 to 80%, and accuracy rates up to 100%. In fact, the, the company posted publicly that automation had added about 15 to 20% to their EBITDA for this year. Finance applications, in less than nine, nine weeks, a leading Australian hospital system automated 12 processes in finance, five in billing, four in receipting, to an AP and one in accounting, they are actually processing $1 billion worth of claims a year, saving over 25,000 hours of labor, 20% in costs annually. And finally, very interesting case study from the NHS in the UK, the National Health Service. They were able to use automation to track oxygen levels to ensure supplies during the pandemic, which freed up 1,500 hours of nursing time for patient care. This is really exciting. This automation was actually written within 12 hours and achieved 100% accuracy, which is amazing in healthcare. Having worked in innovation at Kaiser Permanente, today it's an $89 billion organization with a complex management structure, 300,000 employees in several regions across the US. I really appreciate how difficult it can be to diffuse a new technology across many business units and geographies. Frank, you were able to, at Dell recently, also a large organization with 165,000 employees, you were able to direct the expansion and scaling of an automation platform across the company. I'd love to hear how you did it. Sure. You know, we started in, as I mentioned, we started in that shared services organization, right? We started with a leader who understood that these new technologies, right, the technologies that 
can be democratized out into the business, right? Key, key factor there. Uh, should be pushed closer to where the work is done, right? So if you want to get more efficient, you have to move the tools closer to where the work is being done. And so our leader there decided, hey, you know, we want to bring in these automation tools, these new types of intelligent automation tools, but we want to change the way that uh, it's deployed in the business. So, uh, and so I take a step back, right? So at Dell, so, uh, you know, we we had one of the biggest RPA programs in the country, right? So we automated over a thousand processes. Conservatively, we were running, you know, $100 million plus through our ecosystem every year, right? Growing at a 60% compound annual growth rate mm-hmm. and, and just trying to drive it to be viral within the business, right? So we started small. We started that shared services organization. We got some quick wins, right? So, and we, we partnered with some key departments, right? So we partnered with uh, HR right from the beginning because we knew we would have some identity and access management issues. We partnered with our cybersecurity team and our IT team so that we could set the infrastructure up, right? And so then we just started, we started getting key wins and we started to move fast, right? Mm-hmm. So we bought the software, we bought, uh, you know, the auto, we used the Automation Anywhere platform, which was the easiest to learn how to use. And once you learned how to use it, it was the easiest to create automations with, which is a key differentiator, right? Because we really, in order for the technology to go viral within the business unit, we needed it to be easy to use, right? We needed it to be easy to consume. And, and so we did that. And uh, I will say, you know, there was some fatigue in the business units around automation, right? So as we approached the business units and we said, hey, we want you to identify areas to automate so that we could, uh, you know, start getting some better business outcomes. You know, a lot of the business units kind of pushed back. They said, hey, listen, we've gone through these cycles before. You know, people have asked us about automations. We make lists, we write specs, and then nothing happens to them, you know? So, mm-hmm. so but th- this time it was going to be different because they were going to do the automations on their own, right? So they were excited about it. We got them really excited. And then we set up the uh, the, whole, the whole program, right? So mm-hmm. at Dow, uh, we chose a, a federated model, right? So we said, we want this to be out in the business units. We don't want it to be centralized. We don't want to be a bottleneck because we've seen, I've seen that in my in my time here with Automation Anywhere. I've met with over 150 customers and I can see the programs where somebody tried to have a centralized program. They got through, as you mentioned, Dr. Chow, right? Scaling is very difficult, right? So they get through 10, 15. If they're lucky, they get to 50 processes. And then the mm-hmm. team that was automating those, the centralized team that was creating those automations has now flipped hats and they're now the team that's supporting those automations, right? So mm-hmm. so very difficult to grow uh, when you have a centralized model like that. So when I, when I left Dell, we still had the equivalent of about 200 citizen developers doing, mm-hmm. doing development work at least part-time. Right. So, so it was definitely the way it was definitely the way to go with the federated model with citizen developers. And, you know, we, you know, we just, we wanted to drive growth. Right. And so uh, as we hit the hurdles, we try to get through them. You know, we had hurdles around how are these automations going to log in and out of systems? We figured that out. Uh, We had hurdles around what's the right governance. Right. So this is, you know, this tool, uh, RPA presents itself for, Mm -hmm. you know, light touch yet strong governance. Right. That was acceptable to all the folks there. And then, to be honest, if we looked at the traditional uh, uh, methods for automation where, hey, you write the spec, you go to IT with the request. If you have some budget, they'll put it on the roadmap. There was kind of that, you know, it, it, there's kind of like two buckets there, right? So uh, the IT roadmap has the stuff that IT works on, which is traditionally the larger projects, right? An ERP upgrade or, uh, you know, a new service that's going to add a lot of value to the business. And then a lot of the requests from the business units kind of sit in another bucket and IT works on them as mm-hmm. they get time to do it. 
-hmm. right? So that created a lot of fatigue in the business. Um, And it actually was a really big blocker, right? Because I would contend that everything that was on all the value on the IT roadmap, I would I would contend there's another bucket inside the business units, just as big, if not bigger, of automation opportunities where the business units is just due to that fatigue has decided that, hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to put those requests in because I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for other things to be automated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been through that journey before. Nothing's happened. So mm-hmm. so yeah. we have this other bucket of value. Right. So you know, we were able to unlock a lot of that with the citizen developer program, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the citizen developers came to us, we had a really good training module, and then they go back and they start small. And we didn't care. Mm-hmm. We just wanted it to go viral. We wanted people to be advocates for the technology. Mm-hmm. And so they started small. So it's not like they had a big hurdle because they were going to outsource the automation creation, right? They started, maybe they did something that was 10 hours a month. And then maybe they did some, something else that was a couple of days a month. And then they started getting really confident around the tool. They saw that the tool was reliable, that they could create really cool automations. And then they just started, they started growing bigger and bigger, right? And we had some really big use cases there. Things like around um, queue management is a big opportunity for RPA, right? Things sit in a queue, waiting for analysts to get to them to work on it, right? And in general, analysts are staffed based on uniform demand. But demand is not very uniform, right? It comes in spikes, you know, end of quarter, holiday season, you know, whatever it is that causes a spike in demand. And so, you know, we would, so the business units would create bots to, as soon as something shows up in a queue, it does a bunch of work before the analyst gets it. And then when the analyst gets it, 60% of the work's already done. So really cool use cases there, really cool, cool value created. Yeah, that really resonates. You know, when I was at Kaiser, that was exactly the situation. You have a lot of workload, uh, you know, project, projects that need to be done, and it would get into the ITQ, and it would be it wouldn't get done, you know, for years. And so the business units got very um, disillusioned, and so therefore you get these uh, shadow IT organizations where they're trying to do what needs to be done in the business apart from IT, which is not a good idea. I, I really like the idea of having citizen developer where you start the process so you don't have to wait. And actually, the domain knowledge sits with the business unit. So it, it makes a lot of sense. In spreading the innovation, Frank, um, did you have to use push or pull or was that pretty much, was it a mandate to spread it across Dell or so, was it so just we natural? Looked those, we looked yeah. at those things. There was natural growth. You know, um, Dell is a leader in its space, right? And so mm-hmm. if you look at businesses that are leaders, right, they're early adopters of new technologies. They're constantly transforming, right? And so mm-hmm. Dell is like that, right? So uh, EMC was the same way. And and so, and so they know, good leaders know that, hey, I, I need to be above average in my industry or I'm going to start mm-hmm. to lose uh, mm-hmm. you know, lose a competitive edge there, right? So mm-hmm. uh, so we went, we did the missionary work to all the business units. They saw the value in the technology. They saw the value in having their own teams do the automations. You know, we put a really good team in place to support it, right? So our, mm-hmm. CO, our COE team, you know, did L2 and L3 support where the citizen developers did L1 support and change management. And so, uh, you know, it worked out really, really well. So initially, we did the missionary work. We worked with the teams. This is what the technology can do. Then we would get down a level to you know the business process owners and the, the SMEs and the global process owners, uh, and then they really started to drive it. And then uh, and then it just became Nirvana, right? So we were just the COE team was just mm. managing you know technology, making sure there was enough of it there when the business units were demanding it, and it really went viral throughout the business. I mean, it was wow, it was really good. Yeah. Did you did you have to sort of do a self assessment for maturity? And I know you, you like to think about the different maturity levels as you mm-hmm. scale. Uh, maybe you can talk to that a bit. 
Yeah, we did. So, you know, we were challenged by the executive leadership team. So a couple of things happened, right? So, uh, so people really saw the value in driving this automation tool into the business. And so, so we had some visibility pretty high up in the organization. And then as programs came along, like finance of the future, right? HR of the future, mm-hmm. uh, where the leaders right. were really looking at how do I transform my, my business unit to be competitive five years from now? You know, we got attached to those. And so, so the executives then were looking at us and say, okay, you know, we have all these technologies out there, right? We have AI, you know, is it's still in its infancy, but there's there's some good engines out there now. We have RPA, we have intelligent automation. Like, where is the whole thing going? Mm-hmm. And so we took a step back and we thought to ourselves, okay, this is really around, you know, a part of it is really around human capital management, right? And how do people right. approach that as they get demands for work? Uh, and we were and, and so we came up with this idea of, well, you know, we want to uh strategically, so our North Star is strategically. We want folks to think of their human capital management as, you know, how do I self-service with digital workers, mm-hmm. right? And so, and that was kind of our, our North Star there. And, and we started to figure out, okay, how can we deliver digital workers in less time than it would take a company to identify, onboard, and train, you know, a traditional full-time employee or, mm-hmm. or a contractor or outsource the work. All right. So um, so that was kind of our North Star. We started to do that at Dell, uh, which was really cool. And how we did it was all these citizen developers kind of contributed their blocks of code. Right. It was like, hey, let's get these build, break the code down into the basic building blocks. And then as new demand comes comes along, let's stitch it back together really quickly. You know, right. the, the North Star there is two weeks. Right. And maybe it also pings an AI, AI engine. Maybe it calls an API. Maybe it uses an intelligent document processing tool like IQBot. Uh, you know, so you can stitch all those things together back together quickly. And you can only do it because you've democratized the technology out into the business units. Right. So um, it's 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 really, you know, that's the way to do it. You know, and so in healthcare, I think it's uh, it's there's some big opportunity there. So, uh, Dr. Chow, maybe you can walk us through what you th- think some of the key issues are that face healthcare when they when it comes to adopting intelligent automation. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> healthcare. Um, don't know much about other industries, but healthcare is one of the most heavily regulated and cautious industries in the world. And that makes for very slow adoption. I think there was a study that showed it takes it takes 17 years for any new proven technology to take hold in healthcare. But when I think back to the my experience at Kaiser and the implementation of the huge uh, EHR, Electronic Health Record Project, um, it was sort of mission critical. That was, there was no choice. In fact, there was a choice. The choice was that if you didn't do it, you'd have to deal with paper records, but the paper records are going away. So there really was no choice. And so it was both push in the beginning and pull later, I would say. Today, if you go to Kaiser, nobody would give up the medical record. But in the beginning, it was you had to learn how to do it. And I think one of the good things that Kaiser did was put a lot of resources into education, persuasion, and training and that, I remember my first day of using the EHR, there was actually a person behind me watching me doing my stuff. And he was available to answer questions, which is, you know, very, very normally in, in healthcare, you know, you don't have IT people watching your over your shoulder. And I was given an hour per patient. And so it got to the point where I was asking my patient, my regular patient, you know, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because we have another 45 minutes. <laughs> so it's very, very unusual for healthcare. Anyway, so that was how we got adopted. But I think it's 
there are barriers like that in healthcare that are structural, that are required by regulatory agencies, required by payers that you can't get around. You can't really automate a lot of it, but you can automate the paperwork. And I think that's a good place to start. Now, the other thing is that we've run into some issues with organizations having hesitancy to automate clinical processes. And you can see that. I mean, why why would somebody um, let a bot touch a medical record? But if you really think logically, bots are a lot more accurate than people. They don't take, they don't ever get sick. They don't take days off. They don't feel unwell. They don't make errors. And so I think we're going to get to the point eventually where we're going to start becoming comfortable with incremental steps in elevating the risk, the perceived risk of bots. I think actually bots will reduce risk in healthcare. But I think there are lots of areas in healthcare. Right now, we're mostly in the back office, but there's so much opportunity. In fact, we just created a demo with our RE product, the interface product, where an ER doc, a busy emergency room doctor can actually track patients, let's say 40 to 50 patients across the ER, how long they've been in their room, what diagnosis they have, what they're still waiting for, and what's next. And they can keep track much easier than, let's say, going to the medical record and checking every, every patient. But I think I think the the progress is slow but steady. I'm very encouraged. I would say there have been some key lessons that we've learned. Maybe Frank, you can share some of those lessons. What what do you think have been the two or three most important things that that came out of the Dell experience? So I think I think the, the major one is you want to engage the whole enterprise, right? So this is a whole mm-hmm. enterprise effort. So you have to engage the whole enterprise, and then you have to make it easy for people to be successful. Right. So those are those are kind of the two key things that we draw. We said if we, if we can make it easy for folks to consume it, especially in healthcare, Right. So if we can if, if in healthcare you can make it easy for people to consume the technology uh, and you can you can engage it, and you can build that upswell throughout the whole enterprise. I think you'll be really successful, you know, and um, is that a different skill set? You know, let's say changing people from doing things to managing a bot that does things. Did you have to do a lot of preparation in terms of that? Uh, no, I thought it was, you know, when it's democratized out there, uh, the nice thing is you, you actually, and this would be great in healthcare, right? Is you actually, mm-hmm. there, were some, there were some nice unintended consequences from democratizing it out there. One is because the digital worker reports in, into the structure of, uh, you know, where the work is being done now, mm-hmm. you naturally get your segregation of duties. You naturally get mm-hmm. uh, your compliance that you need. Uh, you know, so all that stuff stays there, right? Because the the same team that was managing the employees that were doing it, are managing the digital workers that are doing it. So it's very easy. You don't have to reinvent the whole process in some other organization, right? Mm. You know, and and they can monitor it and they get the accuracy that they need. I know you've talked in the past about accuracy around, you know, and I love the example you give where, you know, uh, there was a study done that humans actually, when doing t- t- types of work like this, the error rate's about 10%. And, you know, the Medicare rejection rate for uh, reimbursement requests is 10%. So, you know, uh, you know, so getting, you know, getting people to be able to drive accuracy and, um, and close those gaps is, is great, you know, so that's, um, that's, that's really what we're looking for is, you know, just giving people the tools to improve their overall business outcomes, mm-hmm. you know? No, I would totally agree. I think it's like, when the internet came along, it's when it's like when spreadsheets came along, when the EHR came along. At first, very unfamiliar. 
today indispensable. And I think that's just another tool. You know, automation platform is going to help us move healthcare from a 19th century structure into a 21st century industry that we can sustain. And I think it's been a huge issue for many years. Uh, and I think the technology and automation is getting good enough that we can actually start to think about that. So it's very exciting. Right. We see a lot, right? We see a lot in the business. We work with a lot of healthcare yep. companies. Um, I really love the examples where I think folks have to really understand what's the value that they're creating doing the automation, right? It's not always mm-hmm. just that, hey, I, I, uh, the bot's doing the work of three people, right? We, we have right. countless examples that we see in healthcare where, you know, the bot's doing the work of three people, but it's made the scheduling and the processing uh, and the deployment of work so easy that now, you know, you have physicians that are able to do 15% more casework. Right. Right. Which is driving a huge amount of revenue and margin back to the business units. Right. So it's not. So it's, you know, we we tend to talk about we're automating work away from people to bots, but we're also trying to drive business value, like in that last example that I gave. Right. Right. For instance, one one example that hits close to home is when I talk to my physician colleagues and friends, I sometimes say, how would you like a bot to handle your uh, after hours email? (laughs) <laughs> and the right. first thing they'll say is sign me up <laughs> because right. all of them are doing two to three hours of uncompensated email at night these days. You know? And that makes it a very tough time for trying to get family time, trying to maintain balance. And that's part of the technology that's come on healthcare. So I see this kind of as a rever- reversion to making the machine understand the doctor as opposed to making the doctor try to understand the machine. I, I think it's got tremendous potential. I think for healthcare, I would pay attention to, and like Frank was saying, it's really in- important to get the early involvement of senior leadership. I think that's really key. Uh, no matter how much you do at the ground level, you need to have a strategic viewpoint because if you don't, you'll see a lot of uh, attempts that stop at a certain point and then they become eternal pilots. <laughs> and this this actually happened at Kaiser as well. You we have eternal pilots that never ended because they never went beyond the local scope. Uh, An automation platform like Automation Anywhere really represents a strategic capability and investment. And so enterprise deployment will mean the will require the C-suite at some point. So it may start locally to address a specific pain point. We have seen that a lot, but really it should go beyond that. It should be part of a healthcare system's standard, I would say standard general infrastructure in the future, just like everything else. Uh, the second point is I think timing is key. It's so important. Different healthcare organizations have different paces of automation and innovation mm-hmm. at which they can ingest new things. If a healthcare system, for instance, and this is true for Kaiser, if a healthcare system is undergoing EHR implementation or replacement, that effort is really going to hurt its ability to look at other technologies. So the same holds for reorgs, M&As, or whatever you have. I think timing is really important. But on the other hand, I think COVID-19 really upset that timing. I think that it's really driving a lot more automation much faster. And finally, I think the third thing I want to mention is that there is a strategic development roadmap that organizations should think about. Initial automations might be narrow and specific, but if you have, if you knew that many processes in the future will need to access a certain portal database, for example, you might strategically develop that capability as a discrete module that can be repurposed many times. And so your development effort becomes more strategic, more cost-effective. Frank, any other thoughts? 
just no, just you know, I, I can't encourage folks enough to really go out there and 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 really start to um, adopt the technology, right? Because it can really have a huge impact on your business unit. Mm-hmm. So well, how, I think can, this, how can folks follow up, Doctor Chow? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say. Uh, thank you to the audience so much for your interest. Uh, this half hour has gone by very quickly. I hope you found some useful information in this discussion. I would encourage you to get in touch with us if you'd like to learn more about our state-of-the-art native cloud-based intelligent automation platform and have, or have processes in your organization you want to you uh, get some help with. Our website is automationanywhere.com. And we also have a virtual booth here at the conference with a link to a maturity assessment that you can actually take for your own organization and many other resources as well. So thank you so much uh, on behalf of Frank and myself for attending, for your interest. We're available if you want to reach out. Uh, I'm certainly available on LinkedIn if you want LinkedIn and uh, hope to talk to you in the near future. Thank you. Me as well. Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's Health Impacts Digital Health Talk. Don't miss another podcast. Subscribe at digitalhealthtalks.com. And to join us at our next face-to-face event, visit healthimpactlive.com.